Thank you all for joining me for this episode of our Ladies of Heritage Bible Study, where we are walking through the book of Philippians together. Today, we will be finishing up chapter 1, verse by verse, and then moving on to chapter 2 next week. I'll go ahead and read through the passage and then uh, talk through each verse. We are in chapter 1. I'll start with verse 12, and I'm reading through the end of the chapter, which is verse 30. Verse 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, Yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God." For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Okay, we're going to go back to verse 12. And really verses 12 through 19, we're talking about, we, Paul, (laughs) is talking about the spreading of the gospel. In verse 12, he says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Um, And we see in this verse, Paul is able to see the hand of God in his circumstances. He is suffering. But even though this is not something he would have planned, um, it was something God did. And God had purpose in it. And that purpose was the furtherance of the gospel. God was in control. In verse 13, 
It says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. We can see that because of his bonds, Christ was clearly seen. It was, he was seen in the palace everywhere. Uh, Paul's testimony was a reflection of the gospel, the life he was living through the suffering. And he was able to lead many people to Christ during this time. Um, it was said that uh, Nero really began persecuting the Christians. He turned on the Christian community um, about five years after this letter was written. And there's a Roman historian named Tacitus who says that during that time, witnesses were there in Rome, that there were a vast multitude of converts in Rome. Basically, lots of people came to know the Lord at that time and became Christians, and these Christians were now being persecuted. And those Christians, um, the fact that there were so many, has been accredited to the testimony of Paul while he was in Rome. And that's so powerful. And he's suffering, and he's going through this great hardship but Christ is clearly seen in all of it. And in both these verses, um, Corey Ten Boom came to my mind as well. I just recently did a paper on her for a project. And um, her testimony is amazing. If you don't know her, you can look her up, read her books. Uh, I recommend The Hiding Place and Tramp for the Lord, kind of continuing books about her testimony. And she, but she suffered great things hiding Jews uh, during the war and ended up in a concentration camp with uh, her sister. Anyway, she wrote this poem. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Just an amazing testimony. In the Christian life, God does allow suffering Many of you, I'm sure, if not all of you, have gone through trials and suffering. But God has a plan in all of it and his purpose. It's still the furtherance of the gospel. And as the beauty of this in a Christian's life is that when you can see the hand of the Lord in it and trust him, you see his hand, that's a testimony to the world. And God is able to use that in your life then for you to minister to others and what a great opportunity to share the love of Christ in ministering through your suffering. I think that's just a beautiful thing that God has given us. Now, moving on to verse 14. And by the way, that these first few verses are about spreading the gospel. Uh, verses 12 and 13 were by his bonds and his affliction. And then moving on in verse 14, this is by his brethren. Verse 14 says, and many of the brethren are in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, Paul has led by example in this. He was a bold witness and even a bold witness in his bonds. And this caught fire in the church and they developed, you know, quite a backbone as a result of seeing 
Paul in his boldness. And I think we're kind of all that way. We get a little bit more gutsy when we see someone else stand up for the truth. And in verse uh, 15 through 17, he says, I'm going to combine these verses. He says, and I'll go ahead and do verse 18 too. He says, some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some of also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Paul is saying there are two types of people uh, here preaching Christ. One is of envy and strife, and they were people who were jealous. They were doing this in contention, seeking to add affliction to Paul's bonds. Now, this doesn't mean that what they were preaching was wrong or incorrect, but their motive certainly was. You see, they were free and Paul wasn't, and they were wanting this to sting for him. This is rivalry and we often see this today. <laughs> if you don't, then just get on Facebook. Uh, then the other group is uh, of goodwill. These are people who are preaching of goodwill. They had a sincere desire to see the work of the Lord accomplished, and they were doing this in love. And while they're doing it, in doing it, they're encouraging Paul, and they're continuing the work <laughs> for him. And verse 18, because the truth was still being given, you know, Paul says, yes, they're doing this in the wrong spirit, but truth is being given. Christ is being preached. And because of that, he delighted. And God's going to bless that. He's also going to deal with the motives of the people who are doing the wrong thing, are doing uh, things with the wrong motive. And But once again, here's Paul rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. <laughs> Christ is preached and he's rejoicing. Verse 19, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Um, now, I did try to look up what this word salvation means, and I could not find a clear definition or um, a solid, anything solid. But uh, in John Phillips' commentary, he says possibly he was saying that his integrity, his integrity would be validated through all of this and that it would not be a hindrance to the cause of Christ. And he also references Job. You know, Job said the same thing in his trial that uh, his integrity would be validated. People would see that uh, that his testimony was right before the Lord and uh, that God would ultimately be glorified. In this verse, Paul is being optimistic. And why is he being optimistic? Well, the answer is very specific. It says, through your prayer, he knew that they were praying for him. Um, and the supply of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Moving on to verse 20. Um, according to my, this is a great verse. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. No matter what the outcome, life or death, Paul had the same goal in mind. And it was that Christ would be magnified. He wanted to enlarge people's view of Christ. If it was life, in his life that he was living, then he was reflecting the life of Christ. And what did Christ do when he was here on earth? He was pointing people to his father and teaching about his father. Um, then if it was by death, he was still 
reflecting the life of Christ, the life of the Lord Jesus. Also notice here he says his earnest expectation. Uh, That's not casual. Earnest is not casual. It's not a whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We'll just wait and see. No, he's, he's anxious. He is anxiously awaiting this. This is deep and sincere. He, he's awaiting this opportunity to witness and to stand before Nero, and he's earnest about it. Verse 21 says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, he says here, this is his goal in life, to live is Christ. And we should all have that same reason to live. Um, now, I do, I do believe we all have a reason to live in our own minds, and a lot of it is based in our flesh. Some of us are living for wealth. Some of us are living for fame. Some of us are living for um, other things. But Paul's reason for living was Christ, and it should be for each one of us. Um, and then he could only say to die is gain because he lived his life for Christ. That's not the case for the unbeliever. Death is not gain. It's eternity without Christ. Verse 22, he says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I'll go ahead and read verse, um, sorry, this is 23 and 24. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he's saying if his life was extended, then he would continue his work for Christ. He would continue living for the Lord, bearing fruit for Christ. But he's in a strait between two of these. Verse, um, sorry, did I skip? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, I think I did. <laughs> anyway, for, that's verses 23 and 24. Um, he's in a strait. To depart and to be with Christ is far better. Uh, you know, there's no comparison, he's saying. <laughs> Basically, to live life here on earth or to live with Christ That was his earnest desire. Um, Now, in verse 24, when he says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, he's being practical here. (laughs) To be here was definitely needful. There was so much work to be done, and this church still needed Paul. And he longed to go to be with Christ, but he was willing to stay. And that's a quote from John Phillips as well. Uh, Verse 25 says, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Paul was confident, not in what was going to happen. You know, there was uncertainty in that. Um, But he was confident in the spirit that he would uh, be able to continue. Now, verse 26. And he, in saying that too, uh, in verse 25, he desired to help those Christians. You know, they still had to move forward. And I'll say that here in another verse coming up. Uh, verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Uh, again, he had the des- desire. He wanted them to be able to rejoice in this and um, to be able to go to them again. And he expressed that and other places in this book of Philippians, but he wanted them to move forward and to uh, be rejoicing and have reason to keep going. Verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, 
I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now here it says your conversation. Um, and I, many of you probably already know this, but this simply means your manner of life, your lifestyle, how you're living. It should be as it becometh the gospel. In other words, the gospel should be attractive to the unbeliever by the manner of life you're living, how you're conducting yourself. I recently heard a sermon, and some of you did too, on um, Christ first in our marriage. And the preacher was talking about how we in our marriage should be a picture of the gospel to our children. And he gave the uh, illustration of a child growing up in a Christian home standing in front of a blank canvas. And as that child sees the love of Christ demonstrated in his parents, the mom submitting, the wife submitting to her husband, uh, not blindly, but doing the right thing, and the husband loving his wife and caring for her, as we do that throughout their life, uh, splashes of color are put across the canvas. And at a certain point, we, they should be able to back away from the canvas and see a clear picture of the gospel. And that should be true in our lives uh, to the unbeliever as well. They should see Christ in us, and the way we live should be a reflection of the gospel of Christ. How are we living? What is our manner of life? It should be different than the world. <laughs> um, and this is something Satan is wants to get his foot in. You know, don't yield to that. He's the enemy. When you are in the grocery store, are you getting frustrated with a cashier and losing your testimony? <laughs> what about at work? And when there's gossip in the workplace, are you partaking? Are you leading? Um, just so many different examples. That list could go on and on. But how we're living our lives should be different than the unbeliever. And in that, we should be living a life that reflects the gospel of Christ. He says, stand fast with one mind. Unity is essential in the church. And Satan wants nothing more than to hinder the work of the Lord that's being accomplished in the church by getting his place right there in the church. We think, oh, it's the church. The devil can't have part in this. You know, he doesn't even want to be here. But goodness, he wants to be there and he wants to hinder that work that's being accomplished. Uh, verse 28 says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. He's saying, don't be afraid. Stay calm in the face of danger. This is going to be a token, a symbol of what is to, what is coming to these who are persecuting you, the Christians. Um, so it's going to be a token of perdition to them, but to you of salvation and that of God. This is going to be a witness of victory to that Christian. Verse 29, for unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, sorry, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And verse 30, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Um, he's saying to you this is given, and this isn't given to everyone. It's a gift from God, this suffering. It's given to, to this church. And Paul says here, it's a privilege to suffer for Christ's sake. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted blessed, blessed for righteousness sake. Those people are blessed. And Paul says in verse 30, this is exactly what's going on in his life right now. Um, he says, you saw it in me and now here to be in me. This is this testimony. 
don't be afraid what's going to happen. It's going to be um, all of this that's going on is an opportunity to glorify Christ and to reflect Christ. The suffering, the persecution, it's a privilege and God will bless you for it. And he says, this is the testimony in my own life. Thank you all for joining me today. Again, I appreciate your feedback. Um, If you have observations from our in-depth Bible study list, keywords, things that you noticed in the chapter, please contribute. Um, And then feedback from the podcast or anything outside of that that the Lord spoke to your heart about. I would love for you to share so that we can continue this study together. And then next week we will move on to chapter two. Thank you.